0: Hello and welcome. You're listening to Embodied Astrology, a podcast that explores the ways astrology intersects with and informs our lived experiences, and can inspire us in our living to embrace the mystical, cyclical, and symbolic. My name is Renee Sills, and I'm so happy to be your host here. To learn more about this work, please visit embodiedastrology.com. I'm publishing this podcast on October 19th, and the Sun and Venus are both in the tropical sign Libra today. Venus was visible in the mornings between January and late August of this year, 2022, but has left visibility in the past weeks as it approaches what's called Kazemi, a transition point when Venus appears to be swallowed into the heart of the Sun, only to reemerge as an evening star several weeks from now. Today, as Venus and the Sun are applying to their conjunction, both bodies are also forming a 90-degree square aspect to Pluto and Capricorn. This aspect describes tension surrounding relational power dynamics and long-standing as well as emerging needs to confront hierarchical authority, embody personal power, push for equity, and transform patterns of oppression and domination. On October 23, 2022, the day after Venus enters the heart of the Sun, we'll transition from Libra into Scorpio season. Scorpio is often associated with the planet Pluto, and both symbols invite us into the depths of our psyches, into confrontations with our deepest desires and most profound fears, in order to transform, regenerate, and reemerge as more free and whole. In today's episode, my guest Indira Allegra and I talk about themes of being swallowed and reborn claiming personal power and transforming fear, as we discuss Indira's upcoming workshop with Embodied Astrology that focuses on the placement of the asteroid Vesta in our natal charts, and its connection to intimacy, sovereignty, devotion, and kink. Indira Allegra is a social psychopomp, accompanying people, places, and non-human beings through cycles of death, memorial, and regeneration. Their projects, performances, and installations draw from an investigation of inner space, animism, and the ritual, relational, and performative aspects of weaving. Allegra's combination of past experiences as a sex worker, sign language interpreter, domestic violence counselor, and yoga instructor, allow them to work with the tension of human and non-human experience as creative material. Their work has been featured in Art Forum, Art Journal, and Emergency Index Volume 8, among others. Allegra has also been the recipient of numerous awards, including the United States Artist Fellowship, Burke Prize, Gerbaud Choreographer Award, and the Art Matters Artist-to-Artist Fellowship. Indira also comes from a more recent history as a student of astrology. In today's conversation, we'll learn how Indira orients through astrological symbolism and myth towards artistic and relational research and how their processes of curiosity, attunement and response hold sacred containers for audiences and clients to experience profound personal transformation. To say I'm excited would be an understatement. I am thrilled that Indira will also be facilitating a two-part Scorpio season workshop with Embodied Astrology called Beyond Domination, Kink in the Glow of Vesta, where participants will be invited to explore their natal chart placements of the asteroid Vesta for clues into expanding their intimacy and kink practices while centering devotion. The live workshop begins on October 25th the day of the Scorpio new moon and solar eclipse, and will be held on Zoom. Registration is sliding scale. For more information, please visit the workshop section at embodiedastrology.com. I feel so inspired by Indira's practice and their synthesis of mythology and symbolism with art and relational practices. I'm excited to share our conversation with you, and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Here's Indira now, beginning our conversation with a poem.
1: Forever My Own by Jerry Lean. Celebrated for my chastity, loved for my purity, welcomed for my warmth, misunderstood for ages. Zeus, the wise one, my baby brother, and the oldest of us vomited out first. Knowing all the while that I am the true eldest, He watched me warily as we worked out our places. Olympus only big enough for one king, and a consort, not a true queen. Would Zeus have swallowed me if I had not outsmarted him? Poseidon wanted me, his great watery skin, smelling of seaweed and salt. I am fire. What life would I have in the ocean? Of course I said no. Apollo wanted me. Light bringer, singer of songs, he would have drowned out my crackle, outshone my light. Fire disappears against the sun. I begged Zeus to let me remain untouched. He was moved by relief as much as anything. You shall have first share and the freedom to do as I will. Owned only by myself. I hid my smile. I bowed my head and gave thanks for giving me what I was due. For failing to see I would outlive them all. Fire never dies.
2: Not for long, anyway. And that is from first and last, a devotional
1: for Hestia.
0: Hmm. Thank you so much. How did you come across this poem? What was it that compelled you to it?
1: So, um, when you so graciously invited me to, uh, offer a workshop to the EA community, um, yeah, and and when I decided that it would be about um, devotional kink, <laughs> uh, and I started thinking about Hestia, I started thinking about Vesta. So I'll use both of those names interchangeably during the course of this conversation. Vesta being known to um, the Romans and Hestia being known to the Greeks. And um, yeah, I, I, in the spirit of devotion, I wanted to find poems, hymns, um, or other kinds of devotional writing in 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 honor uh, of Hesia. And so this was um, one of the first books that I found, and I've just been acquiring. Um, I call them my allies, my crew <laughs> of texts um, over several months that I will be happy to share some of my synthesis um, with the EA community in, in October.
0: I love in that poem in the last lines how uh, Vesta's sovereignty is really emphasized and her intentionality around her own sovereignty is very emphasized. Um, And I'm curious about the relationship that you feel and that you are forging um, between the archetype of Vesta and themes of devotion uh, as they have to do with kink.
1: Absolutely. I want to back up for a moment and um for folks who are not familiar with her origin story, just sort of flesh out a little bit of what the poem was talking about, um, which I think will create some nice context for um why I am uh why I'm privileged to sit with uh Vesta's energy and thinking about King. So um Vesta is the daughter of, of Saturn. And it was prophesied that Saturn would be overturned uh, by one of his children. So as his children were born, he ate them one by one. And so she is the firstborn and also the first consumed. And the last one, the last child to be disgorged from her father's belly. And after being disgorged, both Neptune, uh, who's her brother, and Apollo um, wanted wanted her. And she said no to both of them
2: Uh, and petitioned to be left alone, to be a virgin, to be complete unto herself,
1: and her wish was granted. And so for me, what is um, inspiring about uh, her story is that um, one, she's gone through this process of like birth, death and rebirth again, which is something as an artist that I'm very uh, attuned
2: to and feel devoted to in my own way, to study. Mm -hmm. And second, when presented with, uh, when born the second time
1: and presented with options, neither of which were good ones, she was very clear about this and said, no, I want another thing altogether, which is to be unto myself, which I feel like is a beautiful uh, teaching for all of us, really. And I know something that I have had to do in my own way, um, and particularly as an artist, to say, okay, I know these are the options which are out here, which would seem mm, more feasible in the world that we live in today, but I'm gonna choose this other thing,
2: which allows me to uh, be in my place of sovereignty. So, As this relates to kink, I think that kink allows us to um, trace the edges of psychological and emotional and somatic experiences that, um, that we crave, quite honestly, but we need some sort of tether uh, in
1: order to, I don't know, what sometimes might feel like falling off the, the edge of the earth or out of the earth's atmosphere, however you want to think about it.
2: And Vesta is the goddess of the earth. She's the place that we can come back to. And her flame is always there for
1: us, you know? And I think that that is, Um, one of the gifts uh, that sex workers can offer and that people who have some knowledge in this field um, to anyone who is interested in tracing the perimeters of their desire. And I know in my own past experience as a sex worker that um, this this is how I think of my presence for folks as a hearth, a kind of steady tether that they can come back to as they trace the edges of what even feels possible for them psychologically to try. And that could be a different identity, it could be a kind of sensation, Um, it could be a way of being talked to, a way of dressing. you know it's it's really infinite but uh i think Vesta can can teach us a lot about that about a place to come back to
0: indira i'm looking at your chart as you're talking and um as always just in awe of astrology and the incredible technology that it is to reflect our experience and give us um, a framework to describe it so You're a very Gemini person, very mercurial person. You've got a lot of placements in Gemini and Virgo, including your Sun and including Vesta in Gemini, Um, but you're Scorpio rising and the Scorpio rising chart puts Gemini in the Scorpionic place of the chart, which is the eighth house, Scorpio is the eighth sign. And uh, as an astrologer that's worked a lot with horoscope astrology and uh, solar chart astrology, I think a lot about where the signs land in relation to the houses and how this describes the psychology of um, a zodiacal archetype. And Scorpio is known for uh, its penetrating insight and sometimes kinky curiosity into the parts of life that many people will turn away from because um, they might be afraid, there might be a taboo, Uh, there may be a lot of deeper unconscious or subconscious um, patterning that both keeps them in a place of aversion or ignorance or potentially secrecy. Um, And in your chart to see Vesta in Gemini in the eighth house as a Scorpio rising and then to see your Vesta square to Saturn it really elicits this this feeling for me that is encapsulated in the title of your workshop uh beyond domination um and that you talk about this glow of vesta and in especially in your chart i feel the glow of vesta and the symbolism of vesta as the hearth and also the hearth keeper the priestess that tends that fire um as a glow of interest and curiosity and some kind of instincts uh, to ask for and reach into the places in the human psyche and experience that would not be so readily asked for or reached into, I think, in the status quo. Um, I wonder if you can talk a little bit about this aspect of your personality as it comes through in your research methodologies, both as an artist, um, in your previous work, potentially as a sex worker, and also currently in other areas of interest, like astrology?
2: Yeah. um, Think about what the fireplace in your house witnesses. It's privy to everything. Everything that's in your heart. Every conversation that you're
1: having on Zoom, on the phone as you're walking through. Maybe you don't have a fireplace. Maybe you have an altar with some candles. What do those candles witness on a daily basis? So this is, for me, I think an aspect of how uh, an
2: everlasting flame can work, um, is that we're feeding it with our experiences somehow.
1: And uh, when I think about how I work as an artist, so I do um, both performance work and installation work. And when I'm doing a site-specific work, um, it's important for me to be able to approach a new site with a lot of openness about what happened there, what is happening there, and
2: what that space may need, um, what that space may invite or not invite. I have to be, or I choose to be, uh, at times, really quiet in my curiosity and to mirror this sort of It's like, how can I be a hearth for that place? If I'm like still but bright enough in my energy, what will the space reveal to me?
1: And oftentimes when doing a site-specific work, it's necessary for me to return to a place, you know. to learn more about it and to interview more people about what happened there, to figure out what's needed. And I think that kind of consistency in relationship allows for other things to happen, you know? It's not me coming in with a pre-existing idea of like, oh, I do this thing and I'm just gonna do this thing that I've done in 18 different cities and just do it here, right? But actually being like, what what's hidden that wants to be known here and
2: wants to be transformed? And how can I help? Because I know that that's an energy that I um, bring to
1: all different types of situations. And that includes in uh, past experience working with clients in
2: in um you know, as a Dom where I have to Why create an invitation for whatever is there in that person in their mind, in their heart, some kind of desire in their body that maybe they have consumed, that they've hidden away in the way that Saturn consumed Vesta because they didn't want to be overturned. They were afraid of being overturned by that desire. And through my work with that person, I can uh, hopefully together
1: we can create an environment wherein that light can be disgorged and they can begin to actually see a part of themselves which was hidden. And I think that when we can do that, we become more integrated and powerful in our day to day. You know, you're more powerful washing the dishes knowing that you have a kinky submissive desire, I think, you know? How much better would you put gas in the car? I think it all relates, it's all connected, you know? Um, Yeah, but I I think that people do kind of consume, they hide away these parts of themselves that they feel will like uh, overtake them in some way. And I think that sex workers are very skilled at um, knowing that that has happened, and then I almost want to say like creating like the conditions where kind
2: of um, yeah it's it's a it's a ritualistic thing I think you know where
1: that desire can then come out and show itself and be born again so.
0: It's really inspiring for me to hear you talk about Vesta in application in this way. And um, I'm so interested in the synthesis of astrology with other methods and perspectives. I'm curious for you, what has emerged since you began studying astrology and since you started working with Vesta? And how has that informed um, the ways that you're thinking about teaching about facilitating a space where people are going to be exploring kink? um, And also how or is it affecting your art practice, your art research?
2: That's a big question. Uh, So I feel like, I just use this whole, yeah. So I feel like the
1: desire which I consumed and swallowed into my belly, and which has been there for a long time,
2: is to be able to work in, um, yeah,
1: work in virtual spaces or the space of a temple. And I think a temple can
2: look a lot of different ways. And, um, and I can look back at my career
1: as an artist and see
2: how all of these performances and, um, ways of making space for me were uh, opportunities to create
1: space for transformation. And and the transformation wasn't always like for, a, um, sometimes it's for people, sometimes it's for places, you know, um, or the more than human or non-human energy that's
2: there. But I think in the course of uh, preparing this offering for the
1: Embodied Astrology community. It's been really, um, yeah, it's been really wonderful to kind of like have that be, uh, I almost want to say like the first prompt where like this, this whole process of centering the hearth and centering Vesta and whatnot, um, that that is the thing. <laughs> and um, and I do believe that, uh, you know, the artwork won't be complete until I'm in the space of workshop with folks, you know? And then it's all of us together that I think
2: complete the space of the temple, you know? Uh, even through Zoom, I think that we can do that. and that feels
1: really powerful to me. And it feels really exciting to me to think about the ways in which um,
2: whatever shifts in people's lives, whatever light they're able to disgorge from their bellies, how that will impact people, places and beings around them, you know, is very cool. And um, yeah, so I, I think that To be able
1: to do that outside of the exhibition space is um,
2: really delightful for me. So I feel very grateful.
0: In your chart, you have a very strong relationship between Vesta in Gemini in the eighth house and Pluto in Libra in the 12th house. Um, Both the eighth house and the 12th house in a chart wheel are sites for the deep subconscious and unconscious and parts of the psyche that become enmeshed and entangled uh, with other people and places and things and lifetimes and energies. Um, The 12th house in particular brings us into the realm of the collective or collective energy and Pluto is a generational placement. I'm part of this generation to people who are born in the 70s and Uh, at least the early part of the 80s are part of this generation as well. And I think of this uh, placement for many of us as an imperative to um, kill and transform and rebirth concepts of relationship and the expectations in particular that come into uh, relationships and particularly in partnering or one-on-one dynamics. In the relationship between Vesta and Pluto in your chart, I feel this incredible capacity to be curious about what is bigger than and more than human and how that uh, liminal, encompassing collective energy also gets translated through the human and through the personal. And I think that this aspect uh, in your chart also really speaks to capacity to hold a lot of intensity and probably life experience that has brought you into a lot of intensity and what has been birthed through that um, which to me feels like alchemical power. And so when I hear you talking about uh, what can get freed up or lightened for a person as they come into contact with parts of themselves that they hadn't previously, I wonder if you would share a little bit about how you have felt this happen or how you feel yourself as um, a midwife or or priest, priestess, uh, servant of unfolding and transformation um, in your various roles, and in how you feel yourself moving forward and in, in whatever your work is calling you to? That's a
2: great question. I mean, I think, yeah, you can answer, it could be answered on several different levels because I think in in one way
1: uh, we are, we're wholly dependent on this planet for our existence and sort of sprout up from that. So you could think of um, any work which is done human to human is actually being work which is done, we're an expression of the earth. So any healing that happens between us and with us um, as human beings is also a way of hopefully
2: um, working on the planet or working with the planet in one way or harmonizing. Um, I also want, having just said that, I also wanna say that I think it's really important to uh i'm constantly thinking about how
1: humans can decenter ourselves <laughs> which is kind of a paradox i don't know if that's the right word like you know how do you do that in a human body you know but um because i think that things are changing all the time and that that is like
2: that's like the way you know and It's literally what the uh, changing light throughout the year, through the seasons
1: teaches us. It's the process of like stuff blooming and fruiting and falling and decomposing and, you know. And um, so all of this is happening all the time. And that seems to be a really elegant process. But then somehow within a human experience, it feels so anxiety producing, (laughs) anxiety producing to fruit, anxiety producing to fall, anxiety producing to decompose. And, you know, there's so much, there's so much locked up in it. And
2: um, I think in my own life, I don't know, I mean, with, with the Pluto placement that I have, I feel like it's.
1: don't really feel like I have a choice around like um, these cycles of death and rebirth I think that that is just
2: part of what I'm here to learn this time around Um, and I think that I think that people who are able to meet change with
1: a lot of grace and people who are able to also care for their
2: grief experiences, experiences of loss. tremendously courageous. You know, it's like if you can do those two things, um what kind of power would you be able to walk around with? And so that I think for me personally is um What I think I'm learning <laughs> from this, uh, how you pronounce it, Aroibus, the snake eating its own tail curriculum. Yeah. And because that's
1: a curriculum that I've been so deeply enrolled in for a long time,
2: that feels like a place that I can speak from with. Uh, sense of honesty, quite frankly, in a teaching world, you know? Um, I feel like in my own life, teachers and healers who have made the greatest impact
1: on me are people who have also worked on healing the things that I'm working on healing myself. So it's like our healing journeys are all kind of like linked up with each other and then there's this kind of like momentum they know more than I do or different things because they can prescribe different things right shout out to my acupuncturist um yeah but I I think that there's a way in which we can move together those of us who are interested in this everyone has a different curriculum that they're
2: born into but I think for those of us who are uh here to
1: learn how to do the the death and rebirth thing over and over and over and over again we can actually seek each other out you know and we don't have to be
2: so solitary in our experiences um and for me
1: that's a kind of uh open heart or tender hearted quality that I feel like I have with someone when
2: um, in conversation with them in front of a fire, right? But that person wants to share something about,
1: we tell stories around the fire, right? It's a way of, of um, creating connection, of course, but I think that we are feeding the fire with our experiences, you know? keeping the flame going in that way and someone shares something and you receive it with an open heart and it's not so strange you know because if you're going through the same curriculum it's not uh... yeah you can commiserate we're on the same team (laughs) I don't know if I answered your question at all
0: I think it did and it also opened up other questions as great answers will um, when I think about Vesta, I often think about um, a story one of my teachers told me about the concept of um, the Vestal priestesses as virgins. Um, and so in the pre-Hellenic period when Vesta was honored um, and, and worshiped and her temples were attended, uh, the Vestal priestesses were women who had an incredible amount of power for the time that they were in. They uh, could live their lives unmarried, they could own property, they served on courts. Um, after the age of 30, they were given the opportunity to leave their service, very few of them did. And their their job, their task was to continue tending uh, the flame, and they were not to let this flame go out. But another task that they had was to um, be healers for warriors and those coming back from trauma and how they served that healing was often through sensuality, sexuality, and touch. And when I'm listening to you and I'm thinking about the symbol of Vesta, I'm thinking a lot about attention and the parts of our beings that I think get described in the eighth and the 12th houses specifically that are parts of our beings that don't get a lot of attention and they don't get attention because um, we might be hiding them, we might feel ashamed of them, we might not even know them, and we might not know them because we've been fragmented somehow through culture, through ancestry, or through previous life experiences. We may have received some kind of uh, messaging that those were parts that were not to see the light of day, and um, we've put them somewhere and forgotten about them pretty much. And when I hear you describe your practices in um, the professions that you've moved through and and also just in the way that you meet the world, um, I hear you really talking about bringing a a quality of attention to something, and that in that attention, life flourishes. Um, And when I look at your chart and I see that your Vesta is also in conversation with Neptune, um, your Neptune in Sagittarius generation, your outer planets are retrograde, um, I'm thinking about radical inclusivity and the, the potential to hold a lot of information that might be well outside the bounds of what you yourself might want to align with or believe in or conspire with or something like that. Um, but having the capacity to include it and to be curious about it and to follow the thread anyway and to see where what's being presented to you might actually serve the life that's in front of you. Um, I wonder if you could talk about the role of curiosity as a creative person. You are um, a highly creative person and I think that societally, you know, we tend to fragment artists and kind of put them in a box of entertainment, Um, but Creativity requires all the skills, you know, it requires analysis. It requires prototyping. It requires um, discipline and showing up for a job and um, a huge amount of curiosity and a huge amount of willingness to suspend personal preference in order to make space for something. And to me, this feels like courage. So yeah, can you talk a little bit about how you engage with curiosity and uh, does curiosity feel like it takes courage for you in your practices and in your research?
2: I love that
1: question. Um, It does. And the reason it does for me is that
2: I think when you learn something, or when I learn something, like if I'm, I'm really
1: open, then it means that I have to be willing to be changed by what I have learned, which means that maybe there's a belief system beforehand which needs to, to die, which needs to pass along, which needs to be transformed. So I think to be a student is to be in a
2: state of constantly dying and rebirthing based on new information which is coming through. That's a courageous state to be in. <laughs> and, um, and so for me, the energy around that is very, uh, the
1: curiosity of the student can be very big eyes, leaning in, oh, wow, you know, it can look like that. Um, and it can also look like, oh,
2: like a sitting back, a sitting down, like a, oh shit, that just changed my whole, that just changed my, my whole situation, my whole perspective, you know? And I take that so seriously. And um, yeah, and that's a, another uh,
1: way of being in this Arroybus curriculum for myself, you know, um, is being open to being changed by what happens. And
2: it also means, um, I mean, as you were saying, just this quality of like paying, yes, paying attention <laughs> and understanding also too that. Say for instance, when I'm Yeah, making a work, I I can't make assumptions about how the, what the site is going to need or how the site's going to speak to me. Maybe
1: I'm taking my cues from the plants in the area. Maybe I'm taking my cues from human stories in the
2: area. You know? Um, There are a lot of different directions that that could go but courage is so valuable to me and I think that it's, um, I think that our lifespan
1: within a human body is so short. It feels long, but it's comparatively
2: very short to a lot of other things on this planet and I think courage allows me to actually uh, feel like I'm living, you know, it makes the world a lot bigger. That sounds corny, but it's true for me. Mm-hmm.
0: In my practice as an astrologer, I work with people a lot in the eighth house. Um, it is such a rich place in the chart and it's Um, yeah, I think it contains a lot of potential in that scorpionic symbolism that it has to uh, really radically shift a person's experience. And the fact that kink and sacrifice and altar work are all subjects of the eighth house um, feel appropriate to me when I've worked with clients who are just coming into some kind of discovery of their own kinkiness, uh, there's often a lot of anxiety and anticipation of what that's going to mean for them. And I think a lot of fear that can emerge and a feeling that if they say yes to desires that they feel, that will require uh, really significant sacrifices that they may not want to um contend with that might feel uh too big to take on and in that space of weighing options and uh feeling what i think a lot of people might feel as ultimatums or kind of tearing uh internally that's where i feel alter work come up you know and this um kind of offering into mystery and asking for an alchemical transformation that isn't going to bring us into an either or binary, but will produce some kind of uh, creative new, uh, you know, third option or 445th option or something like that. Um, What do you experience, you know, I think as uh, in in your work, previously as a sex worker and then currently as an artist, I imagine that you encounter fear and resistance a lot. And that fear and resistance can come also with curiosity next to them or sometimes maybe cloaked in curiosity or vice versa. Um, what do you propose You know, when, when it does feel like there's fear, when there is sacrifice? Um, that is required in order to really listen to one's own needs or desires or something like that. What are your methods? How do you meet that?
1: That's a great question. Thank you.
2: The first thing is that I'll say that I take fear really seriously. And um, I think that a lot of really difficult things can happen when Uh, we don't have the support
1: that we need to take responsibility for the desires we have. And that can, sometimes that expresses, um, that shows up as, you know, shame, which I think you mentioned before, or um,
2: it can also show up as a way of, uh, it could show up in violent
1: ways too, quite honestly. Um, when I think internalized self-hate gets projected onto other people, places, and things.
2: So I take fear really seriously. And, um, And I feel like it's also really important as a second step to acknowledge that the desire is in fact part of that person. It's part of yourself, and that's okay.
1: So, creating space for that acceptance to be—it's not. Just, some people are like, "Yo, I know this is what I need. Let's go!" And like, you know, that's a vibe. Um, and I'm here for that. That's not everybody though, and um, some people need to actually have the space
2: uh, of acceptance held. And that is the altar, it's the altar of acceptance for the thing that
1: you feel like you need, but you're scared to fully talk about it. And I think one of the amazing ways that alters can
2: work um, are as mirrors, they can be second bodies for ourselves. And so maybe there are, Practices that, uh, say if someone is really interested in putt play, you know, but
1: feels a lot of shame around that or um, awkwardness or, you know, all the, the feelings, but has accepted that this is something that they want to work on. The first thing, or another thing that
2: I would recommend is to create an altar for themselves as a pup. And so to begin to uh, acquire the types of treats that they want to be rewarded with. If you were a pup, what kind of leash would you like? What kind of paws would you have?
1: And it begins to be this creative exercise
2: of um, allowing this identity to be birthed piece by piece, by piece, by piece. You know, what is your pup self like to listen to? You know, what would you snuggle into? What feels snuggly? And
1: there are a lot of different ways that, um, yeah, again, that that can go depending on the person, but then that, altar begins to it gathers its own energy right and at a certain time when the person is ready they can step into that because the altar has literally been holding the space of their pop self
2: which i think is really beautiful
1: um i also for clients that i would work with for longer who would have this um yeah who like really struggled and were super brave to like do a thing um we might have like pup birthdays like you know it's been
2: 1 year since you made the big leap so proud here's some treats yum um
1: so yeah i think that that's also uh it's something I know as an artist too, is the ability of artworks to hold experiences which are larger than what our bodies seem like they're able to hold at any time. You know. And um yeah, I think that's just one example where I can kind of connect my <laughs> artist and sex worker brain um to create transformative experiences for people that involve treats, which I feel like is is great for everyone.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I love treats. I love everything you just said. Um, Talk a little bit about your practice with astrology. You know, you just described uh, a methodology around getting to know people and making space for them. And, um, you talked about your work with, uh, especially site specific, Uh, research and your artistic practice as getting to know a place and listening right and bringing offering to that place um how have you been using astrology in these uh inquiries what does it open up for you what does it illuminate
1: yeah so my um my whole experience with astrology has been it's been wild, y'all. So, yeah, I came into this. <laughs> I'm about to come into, um, yeah, an important birthday for myself in terms of like my study, uh, a focus study of astrology. And um, what I will say is that I have always been a person that has been attuned to um, making meaning out of symbols. Making stories out of symbols. I'm a person uh, who
2: is alert to the presence of unseen forces, and I'm a person who, um,
1: yes, yeah, also alert to like as a performance artist to um, choreography and like the movement of bodies in space. And so I feel like this is um, these are the sensibilities that I bring uh, to my study of astrology, and um, I also just want to shout out to everybody in the EA space. It's been such a privilege to be part of the EA community, and I feel like I have learned so much from people talking about how their charts actually astrologize themselves. I don't even know if that's a word, but
2: (laughs) it feels like.
1: And um, one of the curiosities that's come up for me in my um, art practice is thinking about the uh, choreography of the planets on um, days of historical events. So I'm involved in, a. have been researching a project in Philadelphia recently, um, which involves two different historical events, one in 1796, so historical with a capital H, and then one that actually happened more recently in um, the summer of 2020. And thinking about the charts for those days, and then thinking about uh, just recently creating a composite of those two together, which is like what I um, am essentially trying to do anyway, connecting these these two stories and to see what kind of astrology uh, they create together. And um, divination is a big part of divination, I don't know, uh, Listening practices are a big part of how I work, you know? Um, So there are two different rivers that I am working with in Philadelphia. And um, a big part of my last trip was just spending a lot of time on the water and uh, reintroducing myself to the water because I had been there before and also seeing how the water was expressing itself, how these waterways were expressing themselves, you know? And so that happened through a number of ways. That happened through sailing. It happened through kayaking. It happened through pulling cards. It happened through looking at the astrology of the the historical dates I was interested in. Um, It happened through me singing to these waterways and seeing what happened, (laughs) seeing what came back, the way the light was reflecting off the surface of the water at different times of day. There are a lot of different ways that um, communication can happen
2: with more than human beings, I feel.
1: So uh, yeah, I I think that um, astrology for me is proving to be a really remarkable tool for reaching through time, like deep time, whatever that means, I don't know, but it's just uh, to understand how things are moving around and how things cycle back. And to begin to think about my own life too, in that way.
2: Oh, okay. What was I cycling through? You know, what is the specific medicine that I can bring this place, if anything at all, you know? And I I don't
1: assume that um, all artists need to make all works in all places, right? But I do think that there are some places which are open for us to work or for me to work.
2: So um, yeah, I think being able to work with cycles and track the changes between the seasons, between the lunations has uh, proven to be really mm, remarkable. And it alerts me to the presence
1: of miracles, which sounds corny, but it's true for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I definitely resonate with that. I feel like astrology, um, Definitely alerts me to the presence of miracles a lot and this sense of cyclical time um, Feels so present in it in that the past and the future are happening in the present all the time And the present is unfolding constantly into the past and the future Um, Indira you're about to offer a guest workshop with embodied astrology that I feel so excited about Um, I want to just take a moment and uh, offer a huge amount of respect and appreciation for people who are working within the realm of sex work and who are serving as um, in uh, information reflectors and guides and healers. Um, I have a lot of clients and have worked with a lot of folks who have Uh, been sex workers and who have also experienced personal transformation through working with sex workers. Um, I'm of the personal opinion that life on Earth would be a lot better if sex workers, therapists, um, you know, frontline workers and educators and the like were the most uplifted professions uh, on our planet. And I think sex work is definitely one of the oldest professions and continues to be one of the most necessary. however it is really veiled in a lot of assumptions and uh, taboos and mythologies Um, and I think that when it comes to resources for people to learn more about themselves as sexual creatures as sensual creatures not everybody wants to be sexual um, and certainly as kinky creatures there feels to be Uh, an abundance of particular kinds of offerings that have a lot of emphasis on particular techniques and how to as well as um, maybe personal psychology or personal preference and you are taking an approach to the workshop that you're offering with embodied astrology that I've never seen before. I've, I've really never encountered this kind of synthesis or melding, um, and I'm so curious as to what it's going to be. And I'm not at all asking you to give away everything you're gonna do in the workshop right now, but I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what your intentions are for this space and what you're inviting in it and what you hope will happen for folks and what you're curious about personally.
1: Thank you for that. Yes, Um, yeah, and thank you for just like shouting out the importance of sex workers in the, I don't know, just in the ecosystem, you know? Um, This workshop is really special to me because it's something that has been on my heart for a long time.
2: And y'all, I'm just tired of seeing like the same old kind of,
1: stuff recycled around like kink and and it it can get really into um people's egos and like oh yeah i'm this way and i'm gonna make you do this thing okay
2: you know that's that is one way that's one way and also a question and questions are very sacred to me
1: which has come up over the years. And I, um, yeah, I was
2: a sex were and out for like 20 years. It's like, what else could this serve? We're doing something that's,
1: re- this is old choreography. This is ancient, what's happening here.
2: It's so ancient, it can't possibly be just about us in this moment. What else could happen? And uh, so thinking
1: beyond the framework of domination, and I'm not saying that that's not fun, y'all. I know that you're just getting the audio, but you don't see how I'm smiling right now. You don't. Um, So I'm not saying that can't be fun, but I think what does require more study is what can happen beyond the realm of domination. And this is, I think, in the world at large.
2: And that's one of the things that I hope that perhaps folks can come away with
1: from this workshop. Yes, we're gonna be focusing on our kinky selves, our sensual selves, Um, but what does beyond domination mean in the rest of your life? Because everything is everything.
2: Um, How can we really be in this place of, yeah, of serving whatever higher thing, higher good we're serving, with all of our choreography throughout the day? You know? I think a person can... um, Yes, hold on, let me just pause for a second. There's like, so I'm like, whoops, i about it all, but actually just have to come to the workshop. Um, yeah, I think that that's, that's the biggest thing. And to even get clear on um, what you do serve, what you have to offer, So often in life and then also with our
1: intimate partners, there can be a sense of anxiety around, do I
2: have enough to offer? Do I have something that's skillful enough to offer? Are my offerings interesting? And I assure you, they are. And I assure you, you have them. And this will be a place for you to get really clear through your chart what those offerings are. And it can set you down a path, you know? I think that when we know what our role is and what kind of uh, medicine we can bring, then it's like, it does something to your self-esteem to a sense of confidence
1: when walking in the world. What you're interested in doing, which you can't be focused on right now, because you know what?
2: There's this bigger thing that I'm focused on. And I think that we can uh, use kink in that way too. So please come. I know that for some folks it feels very intimidating. It's like, oh no, do I have to spend like all this
1: money and like show up in full leather head to toe? I do have a cap on for y'all. You can't see it today, but you know, maybe you'll see it during the workshop if you don't. Um, and don't worry about that. If you do, yes, please. If you have it, put it on. Um, But if you don't, don't worry about that. You know, what we're here to do is be involved in self-study. My hope is that you come away um, having practice, being able to articulate also to another person the temple that you serve in and what you can offer, and to be able to hold a space of witness for other people when they express that to you as well. We'll also get clear on.
2: Um, Yeah, we'll get clear on different techniques that we can use
1: based on um, what it is that we're serving. So maybe you're a person that is, um, well, I mean, we've been talking about my chart. (laughs) So I'm very interested and curious about psychology and and spaces of transformation and, um, and speaking to what's hidden hello in
2: there,
1: you know, kind of uh, that. So one of the things that uh, kinky practices, which is really um,
2: dear to me is role play, you know? And thinking about
1: what becomes possible when a person is able to,
2: Try on different ways of being. Who can we be for each other? You know, and um, yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. You'll figure out what works for you.
1: Trust. I have a lot of different things that you can,
2: <laughs> that we can
1: talk about. So there's no, um, yeah, there's there are no unimportant questions in this workshop. Bring those. Also, for experienced players out there, you know, this is for you too. If you're just looking for a new framework and, you know, you've been hosting your own parties for years, you've been doing this and that, maybe you're a title holder, I don't know. Please come and we can think
2: about using what we know beyond the realm of domination.
0: So, yeah. Well, I know I'm excited for that workshop. Um, I'm also a Vesta and Gemini person, although mine is in the 11th house. And I'm so curious to explore possible meanings there. Um, Indira, you also work one on one with people and you work in a very different way, um, again, than uh, I have ever encountered as a practitioner and space holder. what do you offer beyond the realm of uh, the role you play as an artist and cultural producer um, beyond your role as a teacher what do you offer in the one-on-one space
2: great question so in the one-on-one space um, for those of you who are honestly
1: bringing questions around personal power and that can be tied to uh, The presence of erotic energy in
2: your life can be tied to all sorts of things. Um, We work on it together. And so uh, one of the ways that I like to work is um, in listening
1: to what it is that you are bringing to our sessions
2: I may offer you different rituals um, and or
1: artworks to experience in relationship to what you're working on. So one of the things that is, um, has been really important in my own development is the role of uh, art, music, theater, dance in Um, helping me to transform places which felt stagnant in my own life or helping me to articulate things which felt really scary to say or maybe I didn't feel like I had the language to say. And so i like to incorporate that in the work that we do together um, as an additional resource and also as something which I think is just fun and makes the world a lot larger then I feel like this space of, uh, then the space of suffering. (laughs) Honestly, when I feel like I'm in a place where I'm stuck uh, or I don't feel connected to a power source, um, for me, that space feels very small. And I think in the work that we do together, um, my hope is that people come away feeling reconnected with their power source. Uh, which includes their erotic energy. And um, and I actually think that the erotic can be found in many different places, you know? So uh, I opened this whole conversation with a poem. I have a practice of reading
2: poetry every day. And for me, there's something about putting the text in my mouth and then reciting it, which feels like an erotic practice for me. And I think attention to that kind of uh, detail in life um, can help us along. So, yeah, I'll use my, I'd like to say that it's
1: like my artist's brain is able to. Um,
2: work with folks to attune them to the details of life, to the erotic, which is all around. And it's like my sex worker self is like, let's go with courage.
1: Let me be a hearth for you, while you trace these perimeters of things which feel really scary. And there's it's nice to have a place to come back to, to talk about it, so. Um, Yeah, it's great for folks who are wanting to explore their kinky selves more deeply after the workshop. Um, Maybe there are things which are happening in your career that you're thinking about too. Um, Maybe it's how you are in relationship. Erotic power sort of moves in a lot of different directions. So I'm here for that.
0: I'm so excited about the work that you bring into the one on one space. Um, in my practice, I feel like I'm constantly looking for people to refer to um, because so much is needed. You know, I think people need all kinds of support, and uh, really consistently, it feels like a lot of people need guides into their interior and into the rediscovery and the remembering of aspects of themselves that have been uh, lost, forgotten or taken apart by their life experiences and life conditions. Um, And when you talk about your work, I feel really inspired because I don't hear you prescribing anything. I don't hear you coming with an answer for anyone. I hear you as an alchemist and a magician. actually creating sacred space for deeper self knowing and empowerment uh, through creative exploration. And I think that this is invaluable, and um, so exciting and and liberating in a world where a lot of us are seeking personal transformation through method, you know, which I think um, invariably continues to fall short uh, for each individual's needs. Um, so thank you so much for offering what you do and thank you for offering the workshop that you're going to offer with EA. Thank you for being uh, here for this conversation. And as we come to a close, I'm wondering if there is another poem or a gesture or calling in or some way that you would like to um, yeah, wrap up this time for now.
1: Thank you so much. This has
2: been a pleasure. And um, let's see, I think another poem. Because I I think I mentioned this earlier, I don't remember if I did, but because
1: Vesta was um, first to be born and last to be disgorged, she would get the, first offering of a meal, and then the last offering of a meal as well. So it's
2: nice that we close out with a last offering of this meal of a conversation. Hmm. Yes. This is a short one, Hesia and Acrostic
1: by TJ O'Hare. Her attributes are multitudinous, hidden, even subtle, and not publicly acknowledged, so that the secrets she brings are so easily taken for granted. The fire that burns breezily in its sacred hearth gives goodness that which that has voyaged across Titanic gulfs to do her will as bidden. Thank you and thanks to everyone for listening and um, I really look forward to being in in courageous learning space, in sacred learning space, in this arroyoibus space, in this kinky space, in this curious space with you. Uh, yeah, please come and play. Mm-hmm.
0: Thank you so much, Indira. For more information on Indira's work, please visit IndiraAlegra.com. You can also follow them on Instagram at Indira Allegra. To find out more about Indira's Embodied Astrology Workshop, Beyond Domination, Kink and the Glow of Vesta, please visit the workshop section at EmbodiedAstrology.com. To inquire about one-on-one sessions with Indira, please see the show notes for their contact. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends and networks and consider making a one-time or recurring donation to support our future production. You can find more guest episodes at embodiedastrology.com in the listen section or wherever you stream your podcasts. Stay tuned in with the earth, skies, and planets by becoming a member of Embodied Astrology. Membership tiers include access to monthly readings for your sun and rising sign, seasonal workshops, and a vibrant virtual community space where you're encouraged to explore your chart through the lens of your own embodied experience. Find out more at embodiedastrology.com forward slash join and make sure to follow us as well on Instagram at embodiedastrology.